0: Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with 241, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them as they share their inspiring stories and life lessons. What
1: we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from Two for One, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Resilient Entrepreneurs. Today, we have a very special guest in Pat philip Fern. She's the founder and CEO of Objective Consulting Limited. It's a company that provides strategic planning, content development, project management, and executive communications coaching services. And with over 30 years of experience in various industry sectors, she's a true leader and an expert in her field. But before starting her own company, our guest served as the Chief Product and Experiences Development Officer at the Bermuda Tourism Authority, where she was responsible for creating unforgettable experiences for visitors from around the world. And Laura and I were both very lucky to have worked alongside Pat during uh, several years during that time. Pat's also a member of the International Coaching Federation, ICF, and a practitioner of ICF Coaching Principles, so she knows how to help people reach their full potential. We're so thrilled to have you on the show today, Pat.
2: A very warm welcome to
0: you. How are you doing?
2: Very, very well. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. It's great to see you both as well.
1: Yes. yes, same Pat, but thank you so much for joining us. So let's kick off um, right at the very beginning. I'd love to know what was your first ever job and at what age?
2: So my first formal job was um, a Saturday job as we used to call it back in London where I grew up and I worked at a department store on the hosiery section in the hosiery department <laughs> which Basically, it's tights and stockings and socks for women. It <laughs> makes me think of um, Are You Being Served? Uh, absolutely. If you think this was classic Are You Being Served oh. type department store, it was really and truly. It had those characters and us young girls, you know, sprinkled through all a Saturday morning. And it was enormous fun. My mum said that she watched me walking to the bus stop the morning of the first day. And she said, "You—it's like you were taller." You know, I was so proud to be going off to go my, after my own money and stuff like that. It was—I got six pounds for a Saturday, six pounds and seventy-two p. <laughs> that was my pay, I, my first paycheck for that Saturday job. But my first actual being paid to provide a service would have been before that, it was a, a, some family friends, the, the daughter was about eight years old and she was struggling in school. She was struggling with reading. And then my uncle, you know, family, <laughs> he asked if I would help her. So I worked with her for the summer, just doing letters and, and getting her up to speed and so on. And she went back to school and she was much happier. And he, he gave me a, a, lot of, a lot of notes and he said, thanks, basically, thank you, because she's just a much happier kid now. So that was my, my first kind of side hustle, helping a kids.
0: coach kids. from the very beginning. <laughs> when you think about it, then, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. And so um, what got you into tourism? What was the lure there?
2: Mm. So I worked out of university for a company called Cable & Wireless, a telecommunications company. Know it well, and yes, <laughs> and I happened to work for the Bermuda Caribbean division, and it meant working with various types of company, various categories, because we were providing service to everyone, and tourism kept coming in and out of that for me. When I eventually started travelling out to the region from London, you know, went to see um, major clients who were in the tourism sector. When I ended up coming to Bermuda, second job in Bermuda, after leaving, you go somewhere new, you get a sales job. I got the sales job, did the sales job, left the sales job. It was enough. And then six months later, applied for a job at tourism because I had kind of relevant experience. And that's how it happened. I um, ended up working for the Department of Tourism um, in the marketing department there.
1: So Pat, I'd like to know, how did you get from tourism to what you're doing now in more of the coaching space?
2: So after really thirty years of, of working and working in Bermuda on both sides of the of the economy, so I worked on the tourism side first, then went into international business on that side of things, which was absolutely great. Monetary Authority, back to tourism. I decided it was time to take a break, and it was basically the second time in my career that I left with no plan nothing to go to. Um, And the the first time, actually, it was to spend more time with a very small child, my son, at the time, and take a break then and ended up consulting because I still needed to work, right? I've always had that drive. So at that time, I was editorial consultant. I did a lot of writing in the space um, before my son went to school full time. Then I went back into corporate after that. This time around... I felt like after the BTA, you know, you you ladies know, you worked on projects there with, with us. It was full on intense. It was basically a huge startup and it really demanded a lot out of everybody to get the thing running and then to get new ideas out there and get people on board with new ideas and doing things differently and so on and so forth. Coaching again, I guess, throughout that process too. And so it was time to take a break. It really was time to take a break. And I flirted with the idea of retirement and that was about gosh about 5 minutes because I really still wanted I wanted to still do something and my husband was like yes you need to do something yes lady you need to be occupied so that's when I thought about well what is it I want in this phase of life I still want to contribute in some way I want to use my skills I still want to help people i did a lot of coaching through the BMA years as well, I've done a lot of coaching in house, if you like, in in various positions I've had, and so I sort of thought, okay, in lockdown, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have this is going to be my pet project, and I put a few feelers out, and the next thing you know, I started getting clients, and it started off with with the coaching first. It's then it morphed into. Strategic planning, which I've done a lot of in my career as well, in house again, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I could just distill. It looks like there's a need here. I could distill the things that I love to do, just get rid of all the other stuff. So I've sort of filtered everything out, and I realised, yeah, it's, it's strat planning, it's coaching, it's still writing. Like you know, just done a big uh, technical writing piece for for Ministry of Finance just now. That kind of thing. And yeah, and then just projects. I wanted at this time of my life flexibility to still make a contribution and to do interesting projects and work with great people. That's the business plan.
0: (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) I say that's a brilliant business plan because the one thing we get to do as entrepreneurs, or people working for ourselves, is to choose who we work with. And... In this stage of life, I speak for myself. That's probably one of the most important things.
2: Oh, it's the best! It really is the best. Yeah. Um, I have said no to some things already along the way. You know, yeah. I mean, I've really been going since I would say 2021 was like like full on business, not not kind of side thing, hobby. And some things have come along, and the first time you say no to something, it is scary. It's let's talk about boring. it yeah <laughs> what was the thought process when when you were getting to that I've always followed my gut you make logical sort of data-based decisions in life right but my intuition has never let me down so I, I balance it right I'm like I remember the, the principles when starting the business I want to work on interesting projects and with great people and contribute my skills that way and so somebody approached me about a particular thing, and I thought, yes, I could take that money, but that project would very quickly stop giving me any kind of joy. That project could, could just drag me back to a place of imbalance and not feeling great. And so I said no. And it was, it was scary. It was scary because it's revenue, right? Yeah. But at the end of it, I was really glad that I had the courage, I guess, to say no, because it takes courage to say no, as an entrepreneur. When somebody's presenting you with something that could add to your bottom line, and if it's a nice fee, you really, it's a test. I took it as a test. Yeah. And I gave myself an, um, a good grade for saying no, because I realized, and as t- things turned out, you know, when I looked at what happened with that, I, had, I made the right decision. As you do, you do be- every time. Yeah.
1: Do you believe that saying no opened you up for the next yes?
2: Absolutely. And in fact, you saying that, not two weeks after saying no, I've got a new project, which, which I, I still have and I love. Yeah. I love it. It opens the door. It makes space for something else. And if you, if you look at it that way, it's less scary to say no.
1: Yeah. 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 You almost have to go through that experience to know it because the first time is terrifying, especially when yeah. your business is in the early stages, which, you know, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast probably are in early stages of their business and you're still trying to figure it out. And you just want to do this, like say yes to everything. And what does that lead to? Right. overwhelm. Scarcity mindset, imposter right. syndrome speaks in, all the negative mm-hmm. stuff, you know, is just the hardest thing to get through in the early stages. So, do you have advice for those people that are just starting out and are going through all those negative, fearful, nervous first steps out the gate? Like, what, what would you tell somebody maybe that you worked with that they were just like ready to take that leap into entrepreneurship or just starting out and they're going through
2: all those emotions? Mm. I would say be very very clear on what it is that you're offering. What is your purpose, right? What is the purpose of your business? What is the problem you're solving? Be clear on that because then you can stay focused, right? So if something is put in front of you that does not align with that, then it's easier for you to to sort of retain clarity get through the I must say yes to everything that's put in front of me right if you're clear on your purpose and what it is that you're actually providing then if something is put in front of you that doesn't align with that then you can decide okay really should I be doing this is this in my skill set or is this helping me to solve that problem I identified you know is it really in alignment with what I do and sometimes who I am never forget your values as well as you, as you as you go through the entrepreneurial journey because that again can help you to stay focused um, and really understand what your objective is for your business i mean i i named the business and, and it, it's funny because i was going through the naming process which is quite fun and uh, my husband who is who who was a serial entrepreneur he actually, we did a bit of brainstorming and he actually helped me to, to, to name the business because I kept going back to always and with my teams and in my, in my career, always making sure that you're clear on your objective. I'll talk with the team and I'll say, okay, what are we trying to achieve here? If we don't know what our objective is, then we don't know what we're trying to what the outcome, the desired outcome needs to be. That means we don't align what we're doing with that, right? We don't have, we don't have, we don't set a direction properly. We go off on a tangent if we don't know what we're trying to achieve. And so stay focused on your objective. Always, always have your values in sight when you're making these decisions. And then you'll be able to take that leap and, and you know, say no to the things you should be saying no to and, and be able to provide your service um, and always provide your service for clarity.
0: And it also helps you to attract the type of business that you do want, because if you're clear on your values and your objective, then when you're talking to people, that comes through, even if it's just a social setting or a networking setting, and then someone else will refer you to someone that they're talking to, and you don't even know where that person, where that next client came from some of the time. But if you're clear when you're talking to everybody about what you do, and I think it just uh, multiplies in, in its power agreed absolutely and we're true right. believers in the uh values thing in fact it was really the very first thing that laura and i did before we even started working together um as two for one was we had a brainstorming session we we decided you know you tell me what your values are and i'll tell you what mine are and hey presto they aligned and and that's yeah, it and totally they went right up on the website and that was it's been like that since the, the first day
2: yep yeah, that's great it's great yeah. advice yeah It really does, it grounds you and it really strips things away. If you you stay focused on your objective and really lean into your values, you you can then make decisions with a lot more clarity. And do you
0: have any thoughts that would help somebody get clear on their objective? Um, Because a lot of the time when we're starting out, we have a bit of a vague idea about who we're going to serve and what the problem is that we're solving. But I find... In my experience, a lot of early stage businesses think they know that, but they're not crystal clear on it or they're not very focused. They haven't niched down. They haven't really, they're not razor sharp on what their objective is.
2: Mm. I think it's really good to, if you're not absolutely clear, is to get help with that. Look at the resources that are available. I I mean, BDC, for example, I think is a great organization. I was on the board there for a while. Look at the resources that are around. If there are entrepreneurs in your family, if you don't want to go that route, what you need to do is talk through, get a sounding board. Even if it's just to, to, to put the idea on the table and say, well, who is this for? And say to someone, does this make sense? Because sometimes you can be in your own head. As an entrepreneur, you really can be in your own head a lot of the time. And you don't necessarily in those moments give yourself the best advice unless you really are very, very clear on what you want to do. So I would say get some feedback from a trusted source to help you get there if you're not clear on what what it is that you're actually offering and who you want to offer it to.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And we've talked about this before with other entrepreneurs. It's a lot of times the people closest to you, they want to protect you, right? Uh-huh. And when people take that first leap into entrepreneurship, family and friends will often say, oh, are you sure That's you're going to lose your health insurance and, you know, the guaranteed this and the safety of a yeah. job, which we all know is crazy and nonsense because no job is safe when you work right. for somebody else. So, But it's a much bigger risk to take that leap on your own. And I totally yeah. agree with you. It, the support is key. Finding a, a community, a mentor, a, uh, a program like BEDC or Ignite mm-hmm. as well is great for helping entrepreneurs mm-hmm. get, get themselves off the ground and get that advice they need You know, yeah. from people who have been there before them. So that's why consultants like you and, and coaches are so important because I think it helps get mindset. Right. And once you kind of get the mindset, other things fall into place and learning things like you were talking about with the niching down to who and what and who you serve and and what you do. So key. But people are often afraid of that. Right. They're really afraid of niching. They're afraid of saying no. They're afraid of. That It's that scarcity mindset that we get stuck yeah. in because it's like, oh, I don't know when the next client is coming. I don't know when the next payment is coming. And that is the most scary thing about entrepreneurship, especially in the beginning until you sort of get your feet underneath you. So, you know, that fear of failure comes into play really early. What's your mindset on failure? How do you um, embrace it?
2: Yeah, I think failure is, is an opportunity right if you don't fail if you don't have setbacks you don't grow so for me um that kind of thing is is really a growth opportunity i said to my son <laughs> in his life always if, you, if don't be afraid don't be afraid of not getting it right you know no there is nobody in the world who gets a hundred percent of everything a hundred percent right all the time and if you do fail take a lesson from it What is this? What am I supposed to learn from this? And how am I supposed to grow from it? That's my perspective on failure. What is this teaching me? And how will I grow? So don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid of setbacks. Just use them to learn. Learn more about yourself. Learn more about the service that you're offering if you need to make some adjustments. Or um, learn more about your clients. There's an opportunity for growth in failure. We shouldn't be afraid to fail. Failing up, right? Failing up and failing forward. Yeah. There was uh, part of the coaching, credentialing and so on. One of the assessments, I, (laughs) this is what happened. I had an assessment as part of this the coaching uh, education. And I fit this interview, this assessment in with a client meeting and a coaching session ironically enough <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite a busy day and so i thought i was prepared for this session and i wasn't at the end of the day i wasn't and so i literally i stopped everything and i realized i said this is not working you know this is not working And so I had to reschedule everything and and I thought I was going to nail this thing Mm -hmm. that day and then Mm -hmm. keep going, you know, with my day. And it was a, it was a bit of a, a, yeah, it was a setback for me in the sense that I didn't realize that I needed to sit myself down and really prepare for this session. I thought I was prepared for it, but obviously I wasn't. And it, the lesson obviously was give yourself enough time and respect for what you are trying to achieve on this. This is a while ago. So that you are prepared and then you can move forward with it. So what did I learn? I learned to give myself time. I learned that actually I need to treat myself like I would treat my clients. Be very prepared, be ready to serve them properly. And be ready to put my best foot forward in all situations for them. So I needed to be my own client, basically. <laughs> and so maintaining a balance between making sure that you are serving yourself properly as well as serving your business and your clients is, is the, was the lesson for me there.
0: I can't help but smile, Pat, because for our listeners, for both of us having worked alongside Pat, this lady is a powerhouse. This lady (laughs) is the one who you feel like just has Teflon, like a thick (laughs) Teflon. So it doesn't matter what else is falling around, falling down around her. She's just sailing through, pulling up the pieces, putting it all together (laughs) with a big smile and a bow on top. I mean, that is Pat <laughs> Philip Fair to work with. It's such a joy. And you never imagined that Pat would ever have a moment or a setback. So I do appreciate you sharing that and being so candid about it. And I think You're it's- welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, and I'm also smiling because it's the kind of thing I would do. It's like, oh yeah, I can just squeeze that in between this and that, even though it's important. I'm, I've got this. Yeah. We, you know, attach it, it turns to gold. Everything's good. <laughs> <Okay>. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then we get caught out sometimes. So it's right. a really good reminder.
2: It was a good lesson for me. I mean, I really. I needed it at the time. I think I needed it. Yeah.
0: And just on the coaching thing, in the beginning of uh, this episode, you said you kind of decided to be a coach and and the clients started coming and it all just sounded so easy. And we have quite a number of coaches listening to this podcast um, as new entrepreneurs. So tell us, how did you get coaching clients? What was that journey like?
2: Mm. Um, so I started looking and, and, and looking for resources around this when I decided, yes, I want to go and do this properly and get paid to do it, right? So I, uh, first of all, did some learning and went online and, you know, um, did a few courses and started following some people online who are coaches and have successful, thriving coaching businesses. So I got a lot of tips and so on uh, on how to build a business. And then started prospecting among people that i'd work with so you know having started the business it was the perfect opportunity to say hey everyone this is what i'm doing now i had a break and this is what i'm doing now and this is what i do and this is how i help people and i mean mean, i'm making it sound easier than it probably was but you have to look around you to decide where you're going to prospect right as an entrepreneur where are your, your customers where are your clients and so I started, I, I sort of looked at it in, in, in circles, like right, concentric circles. And the, first, the first circle was immediately who I've worked with before. So I started making some calls and talking to people. And someone I used to work with at the BMA, I coached a lot, actually. BMA was great in terms of coaching. You got a lot of technically brilliant people, really bright people working there. When it comes to speaking to others and communicating, it's kind of like... <laughs> They clam up, right? So I did a lot of coaching there. Yeah. But she contacted me. And she's a very senior person in insurance now. And she said, oh, my God, I heard about your business. And I've got to tell you, I'm still using stuff that you taught me back at BMA, which is very gratifying. And so I got some referrals from people that I uh, had worked with before. And then I spoke with one of my former colleagues at Hamilton Prince there, they are a client of mine. And he said, oh my God, yes, yes, I need you. And so he started sending me people from their management team. He said, yeah, I, I have to do all the presentations. And frankly, I'm sick of it. <laughs> These guys are going to step up. I really need them to step up. And so that happened. And so I have a, a kind of a pipeline I had a pipeline of coaches tees from, from Hamilton Princess as well, um, who are a wonderful clients. And so that's how I started. I just went out and I talked to the people I, I you know, the people I, the decision makers, let's say, that I've worked with before. And, and that's how the clients started to come. One of the things I know is having had that network of people, it's been a blessing. It's been an absolute blessing. So you never know, you know, I always used to say, make your friends before you need them, because you never know when you'll need them, right? And so you'd look to your network. For me, that's how it worked. I looked to my network first, and then started going further. Um, and I'm now in the, in the process of thinking, well, should I be doing more on LinkedIn now? Maybe, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm now in the second phase of going to the wider circle, uh, and thinking about how to do that. But my network has served me very well.
0: Yeah, it's so, all about relationships, isn't it?
2: Definitely, definitely. I would say in the first six months, I had a retainer client. I had a, a really great strategic planning project. I had started the coaching as well, um, that new pipeline of coaching. And so I had a really good base to start with. And then from that comes referrals after that. Yeah, fantastic.
0: So you're definitely up and running. And uh, what at this stage of the game would you say is the best part about being an entrepreneur or working for yourself?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, Picking your projects, right? I mean, I love being able to pick projects and also – I have the flexibility that goes with charting your own course. That's wonderful to be able to. I'm so grateful. I'm just really, really grateful to have this this opportunity to do what I do in the way that I do it. Um, I'm able to work so pretty much remotely all the time. I'm very rarely in in person meetings with my clients, which means I get to live half the year in Bermuda and half the year and where my family's from um, and so having this kind of um control over the way i work and being able to really use my skills for my clients in ways that add value to them this is living the dream right <laughs> it's just, i'm so so grateful so i think yeah having the ability to really control how you work, when you work, um, how much you want to work. It's a privilege. It's an absolute privilege. And then when I see the difference it can make for my clients, that's really, that turns me right on, you know, being able to add value in ways that really make sense for them and a you know, difference for them. I love that.
1: Oh, Pat, that's the dream. It's the dream. And being able to build that business during, a pandemic is a blessing, right? Because we Absolutely. all figured out how to use Zoom. We all figured out how to work yeah. remotely. Like it, yeah. it just became part of the everyday part of the norm. I mean, Two for One was founded during that time too and wouldn't mm-hmm. exist today if, it, if this hadn't happened.
2: Right. You know, we wouldn't yeah. be
1: talking to you in St. Lucia on a podcast. <laughs> and so it's a huge blessing the way everything has worked out and people like you who figured it out and found a better path for yourself and a new way forward. It's so exciting. Um, but of course, not without challenges. We know that comes with it. And resilience yeah. is a big part of, of getting through. So we love to ask people, of course, we are called resilient entrepreneurs, what does resilience mean to you?
2: Uh, resilience really is about picking yourself back up and keeping on going. I mean, in its essence, right? So to me, if you're knocked over by something, if there's a setback, you you take the lesson, as I said, you know, decide how you're going to grow from that and you keep going. Resilience is not stopping. It's always looking forward and, and keeping on going. It can be hard. It can be really hard. I think, you know, I've been really, really blessed with with getting this business together and and the way that things have rolled out for me. But even when you're knocked down, I mean, you know, I've had moments when I thought, oh my gosh, really, should I be doing this? With all of that, because as an entrepreneur, you are going to have those moments. It might be you're having a really late night and there's a deadline on your forehead and you're thinking you should be further along than you are. And in, that, in the middle of the night, you're kind of thinking, should I have done this? Should I have done this, right? But resilience is you taking the hit, getting up, learning from it, and then just keep moving forward. Yeah. What scares you most, Pat? Aside from anything you know, bad happening to my family, scares me most? That's, a, that's the thing that scares me most. <laughs> yeah. Anything happening to my family. You can't let fear get in the way. You can't let fear get in the way. I can't pinpoint any one thing apart from that big thing for me, Always that's my big thing. you. You will have days that scare you, you will have weeks that scare you, right? Because of various things. But when you are scared, and I say this to even some of my coaching clients, you've got to use fear as fuel. You've got to use fear as fuel and run towards what scares you. This is a principle that I've had all through my career as well for myself. In fact, it's the title of my upcoming book. Oh! No, no, one day, one day. (laughs) i got it in mind. (laughs) Not next week, (laughs) but I have it in mind. Okay, what's the title? We'll look out for it. Run towards what scares you. Mm. I have, I've really lived by that principle. I've done things. That had me quaking in my boots in my career. Like what? Um, <laughs> uh, okay, I'll give you a story. Um, one, very, very early on in Tourism 101, the first time around for me in tourism, because BTA was the second time around for me, um, I had prepared a presentation for my boss at the time. And it was it was a very very important presentation. It was going to be like a hundred of the most senior travel agents across across the US were coming to Bermuda. It was a big breakfast presentation that he was going to make, and they were big producers for Bermuda, so they were really important. So I made this presentation, did this deck, you know, had ran through it with him, made sure I pinned him down to rehearse and all that. I knew this thing inside out. Come the morning, there's no sign of him. I'm at Hamilton Princess. There's a hundred presentations in the room. There's other people in the room. No sign of it. I finally get, I'm getting really nervous. I finally get the message that he's sick and he can't come. And no one else was prepared to make this presentation. They had no clue. You know, he and I gone through it and I knew it and so on. So who had to make the presentation? Yeah. So I ran to the bathroom. <laughs> I ran to the bathroom just to make sure that I actually wasn't going to throw up, you know? um, and to stop myself from shaking. So I went back to the room, went to the podium. Thank God, there was a podium. I hung on to the. I was literally telling this story last week to, to a group in a group coaching session. Uh, I hung on to this podium like my life depended on it. I think I left my fingerprints, and I had to make this presentation. But before, because I knew it, thank God, because I, I drafted it, but that was a huge saving grace. But I really was not expecting that. And I, at the time, I really did not want to present anything. I was happy producing decks for people and sending them on their way to, to do well and slay the room. But I never, made, I didn't like public speaking at all. Um, so I made the presentation to these senior people. And I got a Rousing round of applause afterwards. Fabulous. And so, you know, this is a growth opportunity, right? If you're confronted with something that is scaring you, like to all no end, embrace it. Try to find out how you're going to grow from it. Discern how you're going to grow from it. Prepare for it. I mean, if you can, prepare for it. If If you're prepared, you're in a much better place to be obviously but don't run away from it i think these things are sent to help you grow and even if it doesn't go if it's like a 70 or 80 or you know 85 success you did it right right you did it and yeah. that's another notch on your belt uh, right. another growth opportunity so run towards what scares you
0: Great advice. Oh my goodness. So, we're all going to practice that. (laughs) Find something that scares you and run towards it. Laura and I often talk about the growth is outside of the comfort zone. And we sometimes talk, you know, we'll look at ourselves, look at each other in a meeting after, you know, it it has happened a couple of times. And we'll just say, hmm, feeling a bit comfortable here. What can we do to stretch? Mm, Yes.
2: That's great. Yeah. Uh, How how can you stretch? What makes you stretch? I
0: love that. Yeah. Mm. Um, It's not talking to uh, hundreds of strangers when you're not expecting to, but (laughs) you know what? Sometimes it feels like it in in the moment. So good on you. Great story. Thanks. And uh, yes, you shared some really fun examples today and thanks so much for yeah your candor and and your wisdom and your experience and i think it's going to be so helpful to all of our listeners so it's been an absolute pleasure chatting
2: pat thank you thank you for having me i hope it's i, I do hope it's helpful i hope it's useful thank you so much thank you. I enjoyed it Thanks for joining us on Resilient
1: Entrepreneurs. We're Lauren Vicky from 241. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241branding.com.